0: Things to mention uh, before we start. Okay, the first is we are going to be recording today's program so that anyone who's missing the program can view it later on. The link will be sent out in our weekly email digest on, mon- on Tuesday next week. Um, and so, and the other thing I want to mention is this will be a half an hour program, half an hour presentation, and we're, we're going to reserve about 15 minutes after that for any questions. Um, Please feel free to use the chat function for questions or just unmute and um, ask your question. Okay, so without further ado, um, it is my pleasure to introduce today our speaker, Jamie Page. Um, And this program is sponsored by the Women's Leadership Initiative at Albany Law School and of which, Harris Beach, the firm that Jamie works with, is a member. And so Jamie is a Director of Human Resources at Harris Beach, where she has worked for 17 years. Prior to joining Harris Beach, Jamie worked at Dwayne Morris LLP and Schneider, Harrison, Siegel and Lewis LLP in Philadelphia. Her 24 year career has focused on recruiting, training and programming, as well as retention and employee relations for professional staff and attorneys. Jamie, I turn the floor over to you. Thank you so much for being here.
1: Great, thank you, Mary, I appreciate that. Um, As Mary mentioned, over 24 years, um, I've done a lot of recruiting. I actually started as a recruiting coordinator at Dwayne Morris, so that was my first role, and it's a role I've continued along the entire 24 years, um, which, as I say that out loud, it just sounds crazy and makes me feel very old. But putting that aside, in those 24 years, I've looked at a lot of resumes, a lot of cover letters. I've done a lot of interviews over that time, and I have tons of suggestions to share. I can't share all of them with you today because um, anybody who gets me talking on this topic knows I could talk for way more than a half hour about this and what i wanted to focus on today were some of my tips about resumes and interviews but also sharing what has changed with being in a virtual world and doing all of this virtually there's certainly been some changes but the nice thing is some things have stayed the same and i think that's some of what we can focus on so i know we have um, a short period of time i do have a few slides that i want to share So I am going to share my screen so you can see this PowerPoint and um, some of the the bullets I have here, but I have a lot of other things that I wanna add to that. So bear with me for one second while I bring this up. Okay, so hopefully everybody can see that. Um, if anybody can't hear me or if my audio is coming in and out, can you wave your hand or let Mary know that you can't hear me? Okay, I'm not seeing anybody. Whoops. Oh, I'm hitting my mouse because I'm trying to scroll. Um, I'm not seeing anybody say they can't hear me, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get rolling with the, with the presentation. So as I mentioned, I wanted to first talk about what has not changed. Um, There's actually several aspects of the recruiting um, application process, the interview process that will be the same even though a lot of interviews, most interviews are going to be done virtually. So, cover letters, emails, if you're sending it through email, they're still worth your time. Um, I've done presentations on cover letters and resumes alone and that in itself I could talk about for an hour. Cover letters are read by the recruiters. They're read by the attorneys. So don't underestimate the time and effort to make that document. Um, actually, it's um, something that comes up all the time in in interviews. Right now, we're doing a lot of lateral interviews with our litigation department. And a couple of weeks ago, um, I was forwarding along the resumes that we received in response to our advertisement. And I had partners asking me, Where are the cover letters? Do people not do cover letters anymore? It's really important, and they want to be able to read them, um, particularly to understand why somebody's interested in the position. So while I could sit here and talk to you about all of my tips of what a good cover letter is, I'll share my top ones. Cover letters need to tell me something that's not in your resume. So don't put in your cover letter that you went to Albany Law School, and prior to that, you went to Colgate University. Tell me something about what you're interested in doing now, your geographic preferences. That's a huge part for, attorney, for employers, particularly law firms that have more than one location. Harris Beach, we have several locations across New York State, and when I get a cover letter that says, I'm interested in your New York office, uh, I'm shaking my head because I'm like, okay, which office in New York? Because to me, New York is New York State. It's not New York City. So again, keeping in mind that this is a great way to put that information in. So still do a cover letter um, and, and put some information in there that will help the recruiters, the attorneys, know a little bit more about you than what's on the resume. Unless you're applying for a creative position like a designer, um, Uh, um, anything in like marketing stick to the standard resume format and and there's a couple reasons for this it's easier to upload into an applicant tracking system um, and most employers are using that I'm sure the law school is using that Um, and it's easier for us to follow it if it's a standard format and the number of resumes that we're getting on a regular basis we have to scan through them pretty quickly to make it easy for us to read um, include a mailing address. I'm not sure why, and, and if anybody can tell me, please raise your hand. In the last year and a half, two years, people have dropped their mailing address on the resume. Um, and I'm not sure why, You know, I know Google Maps, you can find anybody in anything, but the reason why in law firms, we still like to see the mailing address for a couple of reasons. Um, one, when we were addressing an offer letter, we still address In a proper format the letters to to candidates and while we send these letters to you through email we want to address it properly the other reason again going back to an applicant tracking system um, we have to upload a resume into our applicant tracking so in order to even complete um, an onboarding situation we need to know an address so if we don't have it we're going to have to ask you for it and it's just helpful to have that up front Um, Definitely in your resume, and I'm sure this is something that Mary and Meg and the others in the career services office are telling you, is put all the relevant information up top. So if depending on if you're um, still in law school, if you've just graduated, if you've been out for a couple years, you're still gonna want your education near the top. Um, particularly law students now, that's the first thing we're gonna be looking at. And then to list your experience. Um, some folks like to put their um, relevant coursework or relevant skills up at the top. That might be something to do after you have several years of experience, but I think, particularly for entry level, you're going to want to keep your education up at the top. Triple check your resume for spelling and grammatical errors. I can't tell you how disappointing it is to see spelling and grammatical errors in a resume or a cover letter, um, particularly from law students. You know that the bar has been raised a little bit, literally and figuratively, right? Because um, it, it's, it's something we expect that you're going to pay attention to. So you have, if you have somebody like me or a partner looking at that, if we're seeing errors in your resume and your cover letter, what does that mean about the work product you're going to turn around for a partner or for a client? Uh, when people say it's the first impression, it, it's truth. Do not um, set, submit a, a resume or cover letter that you have not had checked. And, and I would recommend having somebody else look at it because you've worked on it, you're not, gonna, you're not gonna pick up on it. And I also say to be familiar with all the content because when you're in an interview, you will be asked about anything that's on that resume. So be prepared to talk about work that you've done in prior jobs. Um, if you list that you um, interned at with a judge, be able to talk about some of the matters and cases that you worked on. Um, if you're going to put interest on your resume, and I know that that's a popular thing to do as a conversation starter, um, be prepared to talk about that, too. Anything on your resume is game, including the cover letter. Um, I, I like to ask questions um, from the cover letter. Uh, a lot of times I will get, um, I'll, I'll pick on the stuff where you say that you're an expert level at such and such. So I'm going to ask, why do you, t- why do you say you're an expert? So give me some examples of what makes you an expert in that. So, again, being careful about how you're putting it on a resume because you will get asked about it. Um, And don't make assumptions about what experience is relevant. I am a big fan of seeing work experience that that isn't necessarily legal. And when you're an entry-level candidate, you may have to round out your resume by putting all of your work experience um, and that includes, you know, if, if you've been a hostess, if you've been waitstaff at a restaurant, um, if you've worked in retail, uh, grocery stores, things like that, that to me tells me a couple things. Um, you have great work ethic because you may have been doing that during undergrad and during law school and you're juggling a lot. So uh, great work ethic, great time management, great organization. It also tells me, if, especially if you've been doing it for quite a while, that you have great customer service skills which translates to client skills. So it's nice to see that people are going to be comfortable dialoguing with clients, particularly if you you know dealt with customers and likely difficult customers, and you will run into difficult clients. So it all translates. It's, it's super important. Um, so those are just my top tips. Um, again, some things that haven't changed. Um, do your homework about the company when you're doing – an interview, at least go to the website. You will be asked about it. Um, I feel embarrassed for people who don't do a little bit of research and understand what what the law firm does. So, you know, if, if you're interviewing with a litigation boutique firm, don't talk about your interest in corporate law. It's not going to translate well. So you've got to do um, the, the research on that. Um, where are Where are employers posting their jobs now? Same places. You know, folks are still using Indeed. Seems to still be the top job board. Um, it, it's all over social media. People are posting a lot on LinkedIn. Uh, we we post on Facebook and Twitter. A lot of firms do, um, and, and certainly go to firms' websites. Um, and you know, if you're looking for uh, summer associate positions, um, entry-level positions, they may not be on websites for law firms because a lot of firms who, who regularly hire for uh, summer associates and entry-level will not always post that, um, but you can always find somebody to reach out to and sending an email directly. Um, we, we all get inundated inundated with the emails, but if if you can find a direct contact, it, it's it's still an acceptable way to be applying and and you'll you'll get to the right person. Um, making sure that the person setting up your interview has your application all the application materials they need for the interview. This seems like a given, um, but particularly when you're an entry-level candidate, uh, firms still wanna see transcripts, they still wanna see some writing samples. Uh, we, we will ask that of laterals, you know, right up until their third or fourth year. Um, and in certain positions, like a litigation position, we're always gonna wanna see a writing sample. So make sure you have all those materials out to folks. Um, and it's always nice when somebody asks me, do you have all the materials you, you need? Um, I likely do, but I like to hear it because then, to me, that's that's good follow up. It's also making sure that um, we're prepared, which tells me you're prepared. So it, it's it's another good tip. Um, practice your interviewing and getting comfortable with ans- ask answering questions. Um, again, this this one sounds super easy and a no brainer, but over the years, I would say. More often than not, particularly law students, particularly entry level candidates, you can tell they're not comfortable with the interviewing. Um, They're not, they're not comfortable talking about themselves. Um, Most of us aren't comfortable talking about ourselves, but that's exactly what you're going to be asked to do for 45 minutes. So you need to get comfortable with that. So not only looking at your resume and being comfortable with everything you have on there, but there are all kinds of resources. Um, out there on the internet you should certainly be using your career services when they do mock interviews or anything like that to get used to the interview and dialoguing but getting used to some of the questions that you're going to be asked Um, a lot of a lot of people still ask the basic questions you know tell me about yourself what are your strengths and weaknesses Um, somebody who's been interviewing for a while we're not going to ask you those questions I save that for the attorneys because they may not know what else to ask but I'm gonna ask you other questions. And, and again, you need to be prepared for um, talking a lot about your, your work style, um, your interests, why you're interested, what motivates you. Those are the things I'm gonna to start to dig around at. Um, and, and I thought it would be um, interesting if I shared with you some of the questions um, that I like to ask, and, and these change because I like to find other fun questions to ask and to throw you off your game. That's my job, I'm here to throw you off your game. So come prepared, but I might ask, what did you do at your last job that you hope to never do again? Um, Tell me about the most difficult person you had to work with um, or a difficult professor. How did you handle it? Uh, When you're working on a team, what role do you typically assume? Are you the leader, are you the doer? Are you a silent participant? You know, What's your comfort level? Um, What type of leadership style do you prefer prefer to work with? Um, How do you define success? What's the most interesting thing about you that's not on your resume? What's the most helpful piece of constructive criticism that you've received, and how did you apply it? So these aren't your strengths and weaknesses, and and, and that's, again, another reason why getting familiar with how to interview is going to be super important. Um, Come prepared with your own questions. We are always super impressed when people come in with questions, um, and particularly specific questions. So if you've gone to our website and you know that we've recently put up a blog post about um, uh, the federal PPP loans or anything like that, and you bring up a question about that, number one, it's telling us you've done your homework, which is great. It's specific to Harris Beach. So, again, we know that you're focusing on our firm and not every other firm that you're interviewing with. Um, And and it helps with the dialogue. So so some of the questions that you're going to pose to us um, help us give an idea of what's important to you. So it's it's nice to know that. Um, And don't be afraid to use a list. So if you've got this stuff written down, whip it out. Put put your planner right on you know the desk and and whenever we were doing in person interviews if somebody had a pass folio and they were taking notes and they had a list of questions they referred to you know my heart would sing because you're organized you're prepared it's not it's not a um, a downfall to be showing a list and having to refer back to it we don't expect you to have you know all your questions memorized but um, being prepared is what we expect. Um, And then I always get the question, should you be sending a thank you note or a thank you email? Um, My my preference, I guess that I don't have a preference is probably the easiest way to say it. And most of the folks that I work with, it, it doesn't help or hurt you to not do it, but it can hurt you significantly if you send it and it's poorly written, it has grammatical errors, and it's addressed to the wrong person. And I say all of those things because I get thank you notes that that, have, that do that. Um, I've even had cover letters addressed to Jamie Page at Harder Seacrest and Emery. Never work at harder. I don't want to get addressed to Harder. They're a top competitor. You guys know this. So, um, But to have a thank you note that has any errors in it is, is kind of like the nail in the coffin. Don't do it. Um, and what is most impressive about a thank you note or a thank you email is when you can refer back to part of the conversation in the interview. Um, and you may be sending thank you emails to five or six people that you interview with, and you might be saying the same thing in all of them, and that's okay. Uh, it's, it's nondescript, right? It, it's not distinguishing you at all. If you were to send a thank you email to five or six people and you specifically mentioned something that they talked about, and that's different for each person, that's impressive. So again, if you're gonna take the time and the energy to do it, um, make sure that it's done very well, no errors, and if you can make it um, unique, that, that's helpful. That's where your notes from the interview will come in. So if you've taken notes, you know, jotted some, some things down, um, that can help. But if you don't send a thank you email, I don't think it will hurt your application. At least that, that would be my advice. I've never seen it hurt somebody in the years that that I've been uh, doing interviews. So um, then I want to shift here to what has changed. So becoming familiar with the the video format is, to me, again, a no-brainer, but I think it's worth reminding folks because we're all using different virtual platforms. I was explaining to Lima when I got on the call that Harris Beach, our virtual platform is WebEx. Um, It's a little different than Zoom, very similar. I think they're all very similar. I've even been on webinars that use the GoToMeeting. They're all very similar, but you need to be familiar with it and you should practice going to it so that you can arrive to your interview or your meeting on time or even early, um, just in case for some reason you have some technical issues. Everybody's gonna have some technical issues, but test it out, make sure that your microphone is working, make sure your webcam is working, that your internet connection is is working um we've i've had interviews with folks who have had to um go to a friend's house make arrangements to go to a friend's house because their internet connection wasn't so great and they knew they wouldn't be able to do um the, the webcam portion of it the video so they would make alternate arrangements i bring up the microphone because um i know at least with webex after all these months of doing it we figured out what kind of audio connections work best it's not always the microphone through your computer a lot of folks have to use a desk phone or their smartphone to connect for audio um, because otherwise they get a lot of feedback and echoing and that's really annoying particularly when you're on an interview and you're going to listen to somebody for 45 minutes or longer and 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 you're hearing that echo it's it's distracting so making sure you have that kind of technology that's working well Um, I say be patient with the employers who are not great with technology because there are a lot of partners who are not good with technology. So you're going to be interviewing with folks, whether it's through Albany, whether it's um, independently that you're going to be uh, working with people with a variety of technology skills. So while you want to demonstrate that your skills are excellent because you've mastered the technology, you're on the call on time and everything's working great just be patient that not everybody's as far ahead as you are with, with the technology. Um, be mindful of where your camera is pointing. I've, I've been on a lot of interviews in the last uh, eight months or so, um, and, and obviously things have gotten better as we've done this a little bit longer. Um, and I have to say, you know, law firms were not typically very advanced with technology and doing a lot of virtual interviews before the pandemic. It, it Harris Beach wasn't, I can tell you that. So we've, got, we've come a long way. Um, in all these interviews that we've been doing, um, he, the ironic thing is when I was doing interviews with some IT professionals, they were some of the worst with technology. I, I don't know why. I think they were trying to you know, be fancy and show their skills and it backfired big time. So a couple, two examples I think are are, are worth sharing. Um, We had a candidate who did an interview in his car because he had the best connection outside of his home. No problem. Um, And actually that's a great way to make sure that you're in a place where there's no ambient noise. So that's the other thing, make sure you're not in a room. If you can avoid the dog barking, that would be great. as much as the ambient noise that you can block out that's the best thing um so he was in his car not a problem but in order to hold his uh iphone that he was using with the camera he had it in his lap so i was staring up at his nose that the whole interview it was extremely distracting um and it's kind of obviously one of those things that stuck in my head and it wasn't necessarily a overall positive thing. So. Be mindful of where the camera is pointing. Um, before we started the presentation, I was sharing with Mary that um, you know, when I'm in the office, I'm mindful of what's behind me, what's on my desk that people might see. So you know, be careful of what you have around the space that you're using when you have a webcam and, um, and, and know where the camera is pointing. Um, do pre- dress professionally and still use good grooming. So every interview that we've been doing, um, all the candidates have been in a suit, tie, um, professionally dressed, jewelry, the whole thing, just like we were in person. So don't do that different, and be mindful of it. I was actually on a call last week with one of our litigation partners, um, and he asked the candidate um, if 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 she, you know, was was professionally dressed, um, not just uh, above the waist, but below the waist. So. Um, uh, I don't think that's going to happen regularly where people will ask you to stand up so they can see that you're fully professional dressed. But um, I, I guess it's probably worth making sure that you have, you know, the, the, the suit pants or the suit skirt on as well and not and your uh, plaid pajama bottoms. So um, proper virtual meeting etiquette. I think we've all figured out what our version of this is. Um, But I think there are, and it's probably very similar to what you would do in person. Um, Be on time or be early, particularly with the technologies we've already discussed. Um, Don't put yourself on mute if you're the one being interviewed. You'll be talking the whole time and you'll forget at some point to turn it off, which we've all done that. I mean, have you gotten through a Zoom meeting yet where somebody didn't have to say you're on mute? I don't think so every single time it happens and it's going to happen and eventually it's going to be you but try not to make it during an interview right so um definitely keep yourself off of mute Um, and then i think it's worth asking at the beginning of the meeting if people can hear you again because if there's some audio issues you want to get that taken care of as soon as possible so again i was on an interview with a different um it professional and this is the other story i wanted to mention and he had the the biggest microphone I've ever seen. It, it, it's like one of those microphones you see in a radio studio. The DJs had it. So it can pick up every sound for miles away. And he was talking so close to the microphone. When I asked a question, he started and he got closer to the microphone to the point that I couldn't understand a word he said. And it was a very lengthy answer. And at the end of it, I had to say, I'm sorry, I couldn't understand what you were saying. Can you back up from the microphone you know, a couple inches? And when he did, then I could hear better, but I had to ask him to repeat it. So you know, again, I think getting through some of this technology is gonna be key to making virtual really effective and, and really helpful for everybody. Um, I thought it would also be helpful um, for a few minutes here because I know we're coming up on one o'clock, if I could also talk a little bit about how things have changed once you are um, working at a law firm and employed and m- might be new to, to a law firm organization. So, um, we in HR have had to, uh, I'll use the 2020 term pivot, and get used to orienting and hiring people virtually. You know, we would do all of this stuff in person, and now we had to do it virtually. We hired several people who weren't coming into the office to have this type of training. Um, and what we found that, of course, it's more difficult, right? Everything about this is a little bit more difficult. And it was it was more, more challenging to figure out whether our training was effective and whether people felt comfortable with the type of orientation they were getting. So my advice is... It's, it's a lot less personal, and, and we need you to ask questions. We need you to speak up when you need more training, when something doesn't make sense, or can you review that? So, it, it, you know, you don't have that interaction where you do in person, and you might see that the person is struggling. You know, they're knitting their brow, and they're looking, you know, like they're confused. And it's, it's a little harder to follow when you're on virtual because they may be looking at their screen and not looking at the camera to see your face. And so it, it's really important for you to speak up. Um, and, and I know you're new, and people are afraid to say stuff when they're new, but you're going to have to. you got, you got to find that voice and say things. It's, it's what we're finding to be the best way to make these things more effective. Um, being prepared and expecting that most of your interaction is going to be done electronically, whether it's phone, whether it's video, whether it's email. I, I think you know people might have been used to that to a certain degree even before, The pandemic and everybody was going virtual, but um, you know I I think law firms are also very um, typical where they like to have that face-to-face interaction and a lot of dialogue about assignments, giving assignments, getting updates on assignments might happen uh, in person. You know if they're in the same location, but you know at Harris Beach we have offices across. Um, the state, and we have people practicing with each other in different locations. So we've been used to having to dialogue about that. Um, but again, it 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 changes the dynamic a little bit. so but being prepared for that, I think is helpful so you're not taking it personally. Like you're being forgotten or you know not get paid enough attention to because you're not getting that face to face. it's 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 the way we're we're working these days. Um, I can't remember the last time I had an in person meeting. Everything has been by WebEx uh, or, or like Zoom. Um, and, and again, we're getting used to dialoguing that way and, and seeing people. Um, don't let this stop you from communicating and reaching out yourself. So, as you're new to an organization, um, again, you can't walk down the hall and introduce yourself to a partner. Um, You can't walk down the hall and talk about an assignment and ask that follow-up question. But don't let that stop you from having that communication. Get comfortable with scheduling virtual meetings. Um, Sending a meeting invite through Outlook and, you know, 15 minutes, just check in. Um, And and you can do that virtually so you can, you know, connect on a a webcam. Um, Certainly got to get comfortable with doing that by phone. And of course, everybody's communicating by email. But um don't don't wait for somebody to reach out you can certainly reach out and do that and i think it will be uh, very much welcomed by anybody at the organization because again um, they may be thinking to do it they haven't done it yet and for you to take the initiative is, is always well received um, and how to keep the interactions more personal being on video when, when you're on a zoom call when you're on a webex call Turn the video on. Um, if you're at home and you know you got your hair in a ponytail or you're wearing a t-shirt that has a sports logo on it, you're casual. It's okay. Be real, be genuine, but be on video. It, it's it's the best way that we can connect um, because right now we can't see each other. But again, to get that body language and And just to visibly see people that you've worked with or you're gonna be working with and to have that introduction, it's the best way we can do that. So to me, being an active participant in a virtual meeting is to have your webcam on. Um, And then, like I said, um, schedule these types of meetings as much as you would try to do in person. So I I know a lot of times um, new attorneys are very mindful of, well, I don't wanna bother them. I don't wanna bug them but you need to, and you're going to have to do this virtually. So getting comfortable doing that, um, and you'll certainly, you know, get feedback on what kind of mode of communication is going to work best for partners. So, you know, take notes on that and be mindful of it, but encourage the video interaction so you you can stay in person. And, of course, you know, I, I hope in the next several months, that we'll all be able to have more in-person interaction. We're all hoping for that, but the truth of the matter is, virtual isn't going to go anywhere. Virtual is going to be here in some 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 fashion, some amount. You know, it's hard to say how much of it will be retained, but for certain, you can expect that it's going to be retained. Um, and also, having people working uh, remotely more frequently um, every organization every employer is figuring out how to engage more of that if they didn't have a lot of it before they're going to have a lot of it now Um, is it something that you can broach in an interview i should have mentioned this earlier Um, absolutely talk about you know how how often people are working remotely um, how much of that is encouraged i think you're going to find the answers are going to be very different now than they were a year ago so it can work to your advantage um, if that's something that's comfortable for you i know we've hired people to work 100% remote where I can tell you a year ago, we wouldn't be thinking about hiring somebody who was working 100% remote. And, and we have those situations now. So it really has turned upside down and its I'm sure there's gonna be more changes and there's gonna be more to come. So um, I'm gonna stop there. I'm gonna stop sharing my screen for a moment so we all get bigger pictures here and I'm going to stop for any questions, if there are any that were submitted or if you have any now. Um, something I did cover you want to ask more about or maybe something I didn't cover that you've been wondering about and you want to hear what an employer's reaction might be to that. Some of maybe. you must have interviews coming up in the next couple weeks.
0: Um. Jamie, I just want to say, while we're waiting for our students to think of their questions, um, I, I know we talked at the beginning about how some of this is subjective and you know that your advice is just one perspective. But I have to say, I agree with everything that you said. I think we're totally on the same page with the advice that we give our students. Um, the opinion that I have heard in the past, and I'll just share it, it's not a right or wrong thing, but I'll share it for the perspective, is I've had Say that they didn't like it when a student was taking notes as they were interviewing mm-hmm. because they felt like it broke the connection and the flow of the conversation. Um, so that's mm-hmm. one slight difference that I have heard about. Um, and of course, it's all subjective. It depends on the first totally. perspective. Yeah, opinion. yeah, um, yeah.
1: I mean, I could, I could see that. I could understand that perspective. Um, particularly if they've had experiences where somebody taking notes, they did lose their train of thought. Um, I can understand that. I I, I still see it as a positive, and uh, most of the people I – the partners I've interviewed with um, always seem impressed because, again, I think it shows preparedness. But, yeah, it's interesting. You're going to come across a lot of it. Um, I've actually had quite a few students, particularly students, ask me, is it okay if I take notes? before they took out. So, and and again, absolutely fine to ask, but maybe to that point, Mary, a good advice is to say, do you mind if I take notes?
0: Yeah, that's a great point. That's a great point. And um, I loved your interview questions, by the way. They're really good.
1: LinkedIn has some great interview questions. Um, I do steal quite a few from LinkedIn, so I'll put that out there publicly as a disclaimer that LinkedIn has some really good ones.
0: Thanks. Sorry, Allison?
1: Yes, I had a question. Um, it was actually related to the note-taking. I was gonna ask the same thing. And especially, I feel that way in informational interviews because that's really when you wanna write down a lot of things. And I feel like I'm never looking up at the person. And also if, it, if you're writing and your screen's up They might not know you're taking notes because your pen, you like you can't see the pen. Um, But then also, what about if you're taking notes on a second monitor? So you're like looking over. Do you think that it's better, if anything, to take notes on paper instead of typing something that's on a second screen? So you're not like constantly looking that way instead. Uh, Yeah, great question, Allison. And again, I think. Um, that goes to being very mindful of, of what it's like being on camera. Like in person, you can see what the person's doing and that they're taking notes. So if, I, if you were doing that and turning your head, I would, I would preface it by saying, you know, I'm, I'm taking some notes on another screen. And so they know what you're doing when you look away. The reason I like notes, yeah, I'm old school. I still, I do my scratch notes a lot better than I do, like typing something out. And, and I'm used to my scratch notes. So I, I have gotten used to to your point about always looking down. I don't do complete sentences. I've got words, key words, that then I flesh out later. You know, it, it probably goes back to when I was in school. You took notes on a notepad. There, there were no laptops. So, <laughs> um, but I think if you're going to take notes, it, it, you know, if you're typing, you know, a lot of these microphones pick up everything, and you can hear that click clacking. It, it's annoying. Um, and I can tell you that when I'm on WebEx meetings, and I'm, I've been guilty of it, you know, I've been on a group meeting, and I've been replying to some other email, and I'm distracted, and my typing gives it away. So I, I think that's why, and again, you're not going to put yourself on mute, because you're the one interviewing, you, you got to be prepared to be talking. So that's why, you know, if you can, I would probably stick with the paper notes, so that it, it doesn't, you know, provide more distraction. But Great, thank you. You're very welcome. No question is too silly. You know, Again, I'm just happy to share any perspective that I have. I've already shared some pretty silly stories with you, so um, there's plenty that, that I have been uh, seeing. Although um, I'm not sure I will continue to ask or have any partners asking people to stand up in an interview virtually? So um, that was a little awkward, uh, and thankfully they were wearing a suit <laughs> with pants, but not something we want to um, we want to perpetuate. But it made me think, wow, people better be prepared for that. It could happen, I guess. So <laughs> yeah, and I think, think the other thing. Oh, go ahead, Mary. No, oh, no, you go ahead, Jane. I was, I was going to say, I think the other thing that helps to like be in the full suit attire for an interview is you feel like you're interviewing, right? It's kind of like all the advice we've been getting throughout this pandemic about staying in your schedule. And even though you're working at home or you're going to classes at home, get up at the same time, do your same thing, you know, put on what you normally would wear so you, you feel in the moment. So I think the having that full suit um would would make you feel that way so if if nothing else you'll you'll feel a little bit more prepared you know I, I heard long ago that putting a suit coat on was like putting on your suit of armor you're you're preparing i hope it's not a battle but you're preparing yourself um and and so it's, it's uh, a little bit like that or like batman putting a suit on you know changing the whole look up and being prepared so
0: Anybody have any other questions for Jamie? I feel like, okay, Erica, Yes, And then uh, Erica and then Jay. I was wondering if uh, kind of moving things
1: remote um, and planning to do that more, if there were any um, skills that kind of different skills um, or additional skills that you're looking for um, or that you've found have um, been more helpful
0: maybe Uh, More emphasis moving forward.
1: Yeah, you know, the first thing that pops in my head, Erica, is the technology. That's that's why I mentioned it so much today. That has been a a, a big conversation topic at our firm about um, adding that to our competencies. We have competencies for our associates, and we're developing developing more for our staff. And There's now a focus on technology skills, not just the virtual platforms and being comfortable with those. But when you're working virtually um, and and, and everybody has um, a platform for doing that, ours is Citrix. You know, we connect to everything that way, but people were not comfortable with with how they did that. They weren't comfortable with um, not printing out documents. And, you know, most of us aren't printing documents anymore. So it, it became apparent that um, we had to figure out and get and get certain people trained more on applications we thought they were already good with, and we found out they weren't so good with it. So the technology skills across the board to be very strong and comfortable in those. And, and I think it goes further than the technology but it's also managing how you work. So when I talk about the printing, you know, if you've worked in a law firm or even, you know, interned or summered at one, you know, the reams of paper, I mean, we're we're not the most green organizations. We try, we're getting better, um, but there's always a lot of paper and people, particularly the attorneys, you know, and, and I don't know if, if this is something that um, develops outside of law school when you get practicing or, you know, if it's something you do well in law school, they like to read it, you know, see it on a piece of paper to edit it and make revisions. And we've all had to learn not to do that, to do it on the screen. There's technology for doing that, you know, track changes, you can follow that, but um, it, it's getting comfortable with how to manage your work using technology. You know, that there are things I can't print anymore, so I have a gazillion Outlook folders. I don't know if that's good or bad. Nobody in IT has called me out on it yet. But I'm, I'm, I'm saving and I'm storing things and using it as reference instead of, you know, my manila folders that I have in the office. I can't do that at home. Um, so it, it's that kind of organization that we all have to get used to. And, and maybe you folks as law students, you probably, I know you have an edge on all of us. You, you use technology more. Um, and, and you you're more organized with that, and so I think you have an edge coming in to any organization doing that, but that that's a huge, huge focus, and for some people, it's been an uncomfortable focus, but it's been a huge focus and something. Actually, I was on an interview this morning. Um, we're looking to hire a trust and estates attorney in our Rochester office, and um, interviewing that candidate this morning, um, in some of our questioning, he talked about some of the technology he uses to stay organized, which was a huge plus, because then we understood, okay, he actually talked about using an app to organize um, his day and what he has next to do. And I'm like, and I asked him, is this something that your firm uses, or is this how you personally decided to organize? And when he said personally, I'm like, ding ding ding, you know, this person is is very good with technology, looks at technology as as a solution. So that was a plus.
0: Jenny, do you have a question? Yeah, I have a. I guess this is more of a technical question um, specifically about cover letters, but um, I was wondering if you have any tips for like do's or don'ts when, for example, um, an applicant, it's kind of hard to find the name of a recruiter or you're not sure who address the cover letter to, um, um, you know, or if the information is like not readily available. And like, I guess, should you just address the name and title or also include like
1: their address if there's an address associated with um the person you're addressing the cover letter to things like that yeah um so i guess what i would do because i'm not on harris Speech's website right so you, you couldn't find me on the website um although i'm really impressed when people do find me because if they know my name is jamie page and they go to the website and they see everybody's Email address is the first initial and then their full last name, and they figure out to email me jpag at I'm super impressed when that happens. Um, and so, in the, in the cover letter, um, if if I didn't have a contact, I would probably address it to the firm in general, and maybe in the salutation, you know, um, I would say to Harris Beach Partners. I'm not a partner. And it's all going to come to me and I'm going to review it. So I would just say, you know, to the law firm of Harris Beach, um, it, a lot of times, um, because my boss, who's the chief of HR, he's on the website, a lot of times he'll get them and he'll forward them to me. That's fine, too, um, because at least you've narrowed it down to the right department that might be getting it. Um, and then as far as the address, um, because, again, and you might not know. If you're addressing it to a person, you might not know what office that person is in. I would probably send it to the office that you're most interested in, because that will be another clue to me. Well, if you sent it to the Uniondale office, I'm thinking you're interested in Uniondale, but I want you to spell it out in a letter for me that you're interested in Uniondale. So that's how I would do it, Jenny. There's probably no right or wrong, but the more you can get it narrowed down to you know, the right person. I think we all understand it. it's sometimes hard to figure out who they are. I'm also listed as the NELP contact. I don't know how much law students go to the NELP directory anymore, but, um, I, it's still a great resource and it has a lot of good information. And I know, you know, there are fewer firms that, that post in that uh, than when they used to, I think it came out in the late eighties or early nineties. Um, but it's, uh, it's it's still a, a, a great resource and I would that would be the first place I would look because you're getting closer to the recruiting contact if you go to the NALF directory. Okay, thank you. You're very welcome. I know so it's I a little after 115. Was- I'm happy to hang on if there are others.
0: Thank you so much, Jamie. Does anybody have any
1: final questions?
0: No? Okay. Well. I wanna say thank you, Jamie, for doing this program, for giving us an insiders. uh, I feel like, you know, you left the, what's the expression, the fox into the hen house. Now we know what you're looking for. Um, And so thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. And- um, Happy
1: to do it. And I thank you all for your time and attention today. It was great to see all the faces and good luck. Um, Mary and Meg both have my contact information. I'd love to hear from you if you have any other questions.
0: Great. Thank you so much. Bye-bye, everybody. Have a great afternoon. Bye-bye.